Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. And there's none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no one else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Now, what I intend to deal with this morning is just simply this. I call it the evil problem. The evil problem. In other words, why is there evil? Why is there evil? The evil problem. The question is often raised, how did sin and evil ever arise in God's creation? Have you ever thought about that? If God is absolutely sovereign, absolutely holy, and absolutely good, now if He created all things good, how is it that Pride was found in Lucifer's heart. That's the first mention of evil. Pride was found in one of God's angels named Lucifer, found in his heart. How was that possible? How were the fallen angels led to rebel against God's throne and try to overthrow him? How did that happen? How was Adam seduced to sin? See, these are questions, and of course it's all one question. It's the evil problem. Why is there evil? And frankly, if you listen to me this morning, when I'm finished, you'll still have more questions unanswered than answered. The existence of evil is a problem which vexes our minds continually. If you're a thinking person, you have thought about this. And it vexes your mind because you cannot come to any any solid answer in this thing. So we must, whenever considering such a subject, be like one man said. He, he said, when you consider this subject, clip the wings of curiosity. Don't get too curious about it. Knowing that God is not the author of sin. We know that, don't we? God's not the author of sin. 
and that He never tempts any man to sin, any person to evil. We know that James chapter 1 teaches that. There's no need for us to read that. James 1, 13-17. And we know that nothing comes to pass without God's all-wise decree. We know that, don't we? So the matter cannot be resolved in a more God-honoring way than to use the words of our Lord when He said, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And so that's what we say, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. So we bow before God in reverent submission, and we confess to Him that we're nothing but darkness, and that He's light, and we are ignorance, and He's wisdom, and we're creatures, and He's our Creator, and we see nothing, and we know nothing, we understand nothing clearly. And God sees all things, knows all things, understands all things perfectly. We admit that, don't we? And before Him, of whom are all things, we have to acknowledge our utter ignorance. We're ignorant. Some men think they're very smart in these things, but we're all so ignorant. So ignorant. Our minds are perplexed about all the evil. We think about evil. We think about murder and rape and adultery and abortion, drunkenness, envy, jealousy, greed, racism, Pornography, war, idolatry, homosexuality, incest, fornication, the abandonment of families by selfish, self-loving men and women. We think about the murder of children by their parents. We think about the murder of parents by their children. Now, these are all great evils. Why? Why is it that way? But I have a far greater problem than I have with the evil, with those evils. The evil that I really have a problem with it's down in here. It's evil in me. I have a real problem with that. That's disturbing. A whole lot more than the evil around me is the evil within me. Huh. And yet, we know that this too, the evil inside of us, is according to God's purpose, and it's under God's control. 
And if it were his purpose to do so, God Almighty could destroy the influence of sin and eradicate it from his people as easily now as he shall when he takes us to glory. He could get rid of it now if he desired to. But he's not chosen to do so. Why not? Well, I've thought about this. I believe God has purposed that as long as we are in this world, God's people will have to struggle and fight with the sin within us. And as long as we are here, we are a people at war with ourselves. We are fighting ourselves. And this is best that God left us that way. God has arranged things this way because of good reasons. And He has done so in order to make us humble before Him, to make us look to Him, to teach us to be kind and gracious and forgiving and to keep looking to Christ and to keep us aware that salvation is by grace alone and to wean us from this world. And that's why He leaves the evil within His people. And it is there, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. I know it is. You know it is. If you don't know it is, you've, you're very mistaken. But this all came about. I mentioned to a man a few days ago, I talked to him. I said, do you know anything about the Lord and he all of a sudden he blurted out to me. He said, if you can answer this question, I'll listen to you for a few minutes about God, but you answer this question first, and I'm not going to listen to you till you answer it. And he said, if there is a God in heaven, why does he allow war? and famine, and disease, and poverty, and all other things to abound in this world. So I got to thinking about this, a reason for the message this morning. Could you answer that question if somebody asked you? All, all I had time to say was this. All of those things are not God's fault. They're your fault and they're my fault. That's all I had time to say to him. But he didn't, he didn't like that. And any unregenerate man does not like that answer. And what he did, he did what most men do now. He smirked and, and uh, got a smart aleck look on his face. And he thought he had embarrassed God again. You know, God doesn't have a reason for that, and so God's embarrassed about that. And that's the way they feel about God. Now, there's much sorrow and pain in this world. 
Ask Brother Ray. He'll tell you about some pain. I can tell you about some pain. All of you folks can tell us about pain and and uh, sorrow. You've had sorrow. We've had so much sorrow. I think about my dear loved ones every day, and I shed more tears, and I'll never be through shedding tears about the sorrow of losing those who are so close. And you won't either. We are greatly insulated from the condition in which most people live. In our society, most people live in relative ease and comfort and luxury, don't they? In our in our realm. But in other lands, it's not so in much of the world. War is a way of life. People wake up every morning expecting for someone to burst into their house and kill them. And the shells bombs burst all around all day, every day. And millions are starving to death in many parts of the world. And in many countries, disease seems uncontrollable. The AIDS virus is rampant in Africa, just completely decimating the country. Poverty holds the vast majority of the world's population as slaves. Poverty, nothing, have nothing to eat. Hmm. Well, have you ever asked a similar question? If there is a God in heaven, why is this so? Have you ever asked that? Well, the Word of God gives us the answer, as it does about all other questions. So I'll do my best. I'll do my best. First of all, it must be understood that all of these things are the works of God in His wise and good providence, the works of God. God does not simply allow these things to happen. God brings these things to pass. And I know that most religious people think that God has nothing to do with the affairs of this world. I've talked with some of them. God didn't have anything to do with that. Well, if it's in His world, He had something to do with it. Most people think the world is ruled by Satan. Uh, these these great healers that run around healing everybody, they get all their money first, and then they heal something. I don't know what, but... They say, Satan is going to turn you loose today. <laughs> People say the world ruled by Satan, ruled by chance. What is this chance? Where is that? I'm always trying to get a hold of that. Where is chance? They're not ruled at all. It's just running. 
breakneck speed to nothing. Nobody's in control. That's what people believe. But I want to say to you that God is not a spectator. He's not sitting on the sidelines wondering how His creation is going to turn out. God is an absolute sovereign who totally rules this universe. And that includes you right now. He's totally controlling you right now. All things come from God and all things are ruled by God. All things happen according to the purpose of God. And this is what he said in our text here in Isaiah 45. I'm the Lord. There's none there. There's no God beside me. <laughs> I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. I, the Lord, have created it. And that's what's taught all the way through this book. And so the first thing that we know is that all these things are the works of God in His wise and good providence. The second thing that this book teaches is this. It must be understood that the God of heaven is a God of judgment. He's a God of judgment. Now you go back and read your history books and your newspaper and when you read them, read them in the light of the Word of God. War, famine, disease, poverty are in this world because of one thing, S-I-N, sin. Sorrow is the result of sin. Were there no sin in the world, there would be none of these things. God does judge sin. God does judge men. And God does judge nations. And it is God's judgment that withdraws the rains of heaven and causes a once fertile land to become nothing but a barren desert. That's what West Texas is like right now, I understand, a barren desert. God has withheld the rain. It's God's judgment. We saw, what did they call that thing, a tsunami? <laughs> you talk about a wall of water... It was high enough to absolutely, completely destroy that whole nation. No, that wasn't a tsunami. That was God. A tidal wave will sweep across an island and destroy every person on the island. 
And it's God's hand that directs the path of the hurricane and the tornado. If you have a big hurricane, if we have one here this year, we just say, well, the hand of God has finally turned one our way. And we'll praise Him. It's God's hand that directs the path of that hurricane and that tornado, that terrible wind that goes two, three hundred miles an hour around and round and takes everything in its path. The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and the storm. Nahum chapter 1 Verse 3, if you want to mark that down, it says he has his way in the whirlwind and the storm. We don't need to look at it. We know it's there, don't we? Most people would rather charge God with foolishness than charge man with sin. But with the Apostle Paul, I say, let God be true and every man a liar. And war and famine, and disease, and death, death. I have to bow before the sovereign God when I think about those two boys. I bow before a sovereign God. And all these things are the works of God's hand. And God brings these things upon man and nations in judgment because of one thing. That's because of sin. And if you're judged by God, it'll be because you're a sinner. And some of you sit right now and you couldn't give a flip about what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you something one of these days you will. You're going to really care what I said. One of these days went too late. You will. I tell you, I warn you in the name of God, you will. Now, another question is this. Is there any good in sin? And I say, yes, there is good in sin. Those attributes of God which seem to require the destruction of sinners are most clearly revealed in the salvation of sinners. Think about this now. It would naturally appear to anyone whose reason has not been perverted by false religion that fallen man must be destroyed by a holy God. You would say that, wouldn't you? He must be destroyed by a holy God. And the justice and the holiness and the truth of God seems to require the destruction of every sinner, doesn't it? And the holy God does punish every sin. But wait a minute, although he is merciful and gracious. <laughs> He's merciful and gracious. 
And the justice of God requires that sin be punished as it deserves. And it deserves to be punished with what? With everlasting destruction. The wages of sin is death. Death. You think about that word, death. Death. The holiness of God cannot bear to look upon sin, and the holiness of God demands that sinners be banished forever from His presence. The truth of God demands eternal death to be executed upon every transgressor. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Then where is the good of sin. Where's the good of sin? Well, here it is. Sin exalts the great wisdom of God in that He found a way to save sinners in a way that is not only consistent with, but is glorifying to His justice and holiness and truth. Look at Romans chapter 3. We'll read that. Let's read that. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 and verse 24. Y'all can just about quote all these scriptures. Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. What's the good of sin? Through the substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ in the place of sinners, what? Justice is vindicated. Holiness is maintained and truth is uncompromised. And this then is the good of sin. Why, what is it? For in the salvation of sinners, the great wisdom of God shines forth. Now if every sinner for whom Christ died is not saved, then the good of sin would not be accomplished. For God would fail in His purpose for sin, that is, the salvation of all His elect. His wisdom would be defeated if one of them is lost for whom Christ died. Therefore, it must not be forgotten that even in judgment God is merciful to His own elect. Isn't that wonderful? You're one of His elect? He's merciful. 
to you. Judgment is one of the ways in which God wisely populates His kingdom. Did you know that? Thousands and thousands of infants are starving to death in godless lands, never have anything to eat, and starve to death. That's the wisdom of God, is it not? Because God is wise and gracious and good, and if those poor children were to grow up among such people as over there, they would become heathen idolaters like their parents or God-hating rebels in a pagan land. But God has chosen them. And so he takes them to glory in infancy rather than allowing them to perish in hell as men. Isn't that merciful? Ooh, I can see the mercy of God. That's mercy. God knows what he's doing. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Hmm. Now, you and I, let's do what we can to relieve pain and suffering of men and women. As our Lord Jesus, by example, has taught us, let's do what we can to help people, poor people, hungry people, hurting people, help them, but also recognize the wise hand of God's providence is ruling all things for the accomplishment of of His own purpose, for the glory of His own great name and the eternal good of His elect. And the justice and holiness and truth of God demands the eternal salvation of every sinner for whom Christ died. And so we believe in an effectual atonement that the Lord Jesus actually redeemed every soul for whom he died. And by his death upon the cross, he infallibly secured the eternal salvation of God's elect by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And so the justice of God, having been satisfied by the blood of Christ, demands the salvation of every believer. And the truth of God demands that every sinner who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ be saved. And if you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you better get to doing it, because if you don't, you never will be saved. You hear me?
you better believe on Him. Because there's no other way. And so I say there's good in sin. God Almighty has been glorified in the destruction of sinners, but much more in the glorious salvation of sinners by His free grace and the blood of Christ. Why does God allow sickness, sorrow? Why am I sick every day? Why am I hurt every day? Why is that? Why is Ray hurting us? Why are you hurting? Where's your pain? Why does God allow that? Sorrow. Why do I sorrow? Why do we cry tears of sorrow? Because for His own glory and for the good of His elect on this earth, all these things take place. Your sin and mine is a reason for all bad, but God rules all in His divine, wise providence. And He sends all these things for His own glory and the good of His elect. And the enmity of sinners is mad at God for what they have caused. Isn't that amazing? for what they've caused. So can you answer the question? Now they always start off, if there is a good God, in other words, just saying right there, I don't believe there's a good God. I think there's a God, but He's not worth anything. <laughs> That's what they start off with. And then they say, why? Why? Why did this happen to me? This is not fair. Hmm. I'm not bad as others. Why am I having a... Oh, you see how we are? <laughs> oh, my. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let's stand for prayer, please. Hmm. Lord, we don't even know how to pray. We're so dumb and ignorant, but we just ask Thee, Lord, to impress on us the great truth of these things. Help us to believe that You do control every minute thing in this universe. Everything is Yours. I pray for anybody in this auditorium that does not Know the Lord Jesus in the free forgiveness of sin. I pray you'll give them sense enough to trust you and believe what you say. And I pray you'll break their heart a million times until you bring them to the place of thanking you for your great salvation. Thank you for these dear people 
I pray we'll love the truths of God. Bless this church, Lord, and add to it. We we would like to have more people to preach to, but you're God, and you control that too. So we'll bow before you. Thank you, Lord, in Christ's dear name. Amen. God bless you.